0: The, the more intimate experience, and this is what our, I believe our generation is is wanting, is thirsting for, is lacking, but it doesn't even know that it has this need, is this intimacy with God. That then when they sit in the quietness, uh, in the solitude between God and them, the Bible is open. And then a Bible verse is written. It's not just about that one verse, but maybe even the thought in a chapter or a book. And that, that just comes to life. And it doesn't apply to a multitude of people. It applies to you. Wow. Specifically you, customized for you. And not you of yesterday or you of tomorrow, but you for that day. And, and you just know that there's just no other entity that can know this information except for God.
1: I don't know about you, but even though I grew up going to church as a kid, I never read the Bible from cover to cover until I was 23 years old. I'm not sure that is uncommon, as you would think, even among professing Christians. Why read the Bible when we already know all the stories? Or do we? I can remember so many times as I read through the Bible for the first time thinking, Wow, this is the context around that memory verse I learned as a kid? But more than the big picture, more than the connections... Reading through the Bible with an open heart led me to a deep conviction that this was no ordinary book. Each day that I opened, it was like opening a window into my heart. My motives, my fears, and my longings were all laid bare before my eyes, and it was like I was becoming naked and unashamed for the first time in my life. You remember the story, don't you? Adam and Eve had just sinned in the Garden of Eden and the next morning, God came looking for them, but instead of running out to see them like they had always done before, this time they were hiding and trying to cover the shame of their nakedness before God. You see, before sin, they had been naked, but they had been naked without shame. Now their shame was compelling them to hide from God and even from themselves and this has been our condition ever since. And yet I found reading the Bible with an open heart had the power to reverse this effect in my life. I could come before God and realize that He loved me even in the shame of my nakedness, and instead had taken the shame of my nakedness to the cross and died the death I deserved. This freed me to walk boldly and without shame, not because I was now sinless, but because the sinless one had set me free. And as I continued to read the Bible more and more, like springs in the desert, I became an oasis of life in a world full of dry bones. It is for this reason that I was excited to be able to connect with Justin Kim, who is now currently serving as the Assistant Director of Sabbath School and Personal Ministries an editor of the Young Adult Bible Study Guide at the General Conference World Headquarters of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and is the host of Inverse, a television program produced by the Hope Channel. Justin and I go way back to our seminary days at Andrews University, and I've had the privilege to watch how God has used His many gifts and talents to bless the Church. In this episode, we talk, among other things, about the importance of Bible study and tackle the huge challenge of biblical illiteracy that exists even in the church today. I hope you are inspired by my conversation with him as much as I was. I started the interview by asking him what he's up to these days.
0: Hey Travis, it's good to be here with you. Um, yeah, no, I've been working, working around uh, different projects, different things. Probably the latest project that I've been involved with is something called Inverse, Oh, wow. It is, yeah, it's a reboot of the Young Adult Bible Study uh, Sabbath School Quarterly. And uh, it took about, you know, three, four years in the making, uh, but we just debuted it this year.
1: Yeah, I've definitely taken notice of it. Um, I love the concept and I love the discussion. And it sounds like you're um, uh, just producing content that, you know, really... Is digging into the Word of God and trying to gear that toward young adults. That yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we we had a we there's, there is a Bible study uh, guide for young adults, and young adults is defined as eighteen to thirty five ish. You know, there's some young adults who want to be older or who are older who want to be want to be young. <laughs> and uh, so we created a new Bible study guide. And the topics, two of the, the four topics of a year follow what the World Church is doing. And then the other two diverge and get into other topics um, that perhaps young professionals and young parents and young adults want to get into. And the approach is really different. We try to not do digital or print, um, you know, not either or, but we really try to incorporate both formats into the Bible study. So really, uh, from week to week, we you study one chapter of the Bible, and uh, you know there's different exercises where we encourage people to use the ancient art of writing out the Bible verse with your hand. I know that's kind of you know um, almost primitive, but there's something powerful that happens when you're actually writing things out, and there is a lot of digital fatigue happening uh, with with our generation so this this getting back to paper and pen and writing out the bible and studying out the, the scriptures for yourself and seeing you know how the spirit leads you but it's not only only analog as we call it then there's also a component that's online and the benefits of online is that there's unlimited space so we put you know a lot of commentary guides different questions uh, so what, what we're basically saying is, you know, use the paper for the benefit of paper, and then use the digital smartphone or tablet for the benefit of the digital. And so that's, there's discussion questions at the end of the week so that you can share it with your Bible study group on Saturday morning or throughout the week. We took out all the dates, all the days of the week, and we also intersected that with our TV show. So we have a TV show through the Hope Channel International Network. And uh, we have about six young adults, professionals, one from really each continent, sort of. We have a a Caribbean from Inter-America, Caribbean-American. We have a Latino-American representing that part of the world, an African uh, from Zimbabwe. Uh, We have me, who... You know, maybe your, your podcast people can't see, but I represent all of Asia, you know. <laughs> and, and then we have a, your European from Austria. And uh, we use English as our, as our conversational language. And we try to really make uh, the lesson and Bible principles really down to earth, um, try to simplify it, but really bring out some of its profound aspects and, and practical aspects for, for people today.
1: Yeah, that is that's is exciting, man. And I know you've um, recently uh, uh, just kind of moved over toward Maryland and you're um, I, we know each other from seminary. Uh, we yeah. were in school together and uh, mm-hmm. you, you were in Michigan for a long time. And mm-hmm. uh, how, how is your family enjoying the, the change of scenery? How is that uh, transition gone for you?
0: Yeah, it was, you know, I was in Michigan for about 10, 10, 15 years and, uh, just great experience pastoring and getting involved in campus ministry and also being part of communications department and Sabbath school there. Um, and you know, I I was wondering like, Lord, why are you leading me to, you know, with campus ministry, it made sense because I was involved in campus ministry even before I went into ministry. Uh, but Sabbath school and communications, yeah, these are things that I, I enjoy, but just just wondering about the trajectory of, of how how, uh, how all this comes together. And later on, I, about three years ago, uh, I got called to the General Conference, which is the world headquarters for the World Church, and they were looking for someone with Sabbath school background and communications and, and young adult experience with campus ministries. So this is just, I really felt God's call, that this was just a, such a specific call, and they were looking for these prerequisites, and they couldn't find anyone, and they had to finally go into... Wintry Michigan to find find this person. So for about three years, been working on these projects. Been really privileged to do so, and you know, our family, uh, we really miss uh, our friends in in Michigan who have really been from like been like family members. But we do surely appreciate the weather of Maryland and uh and DC. It's 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 a little warmer down here.
1: <laughs> hey man, I can attest to that. I'm a Michigan native and yeah. I've been in Florida now. You're for in Florida <laughs> four years and uh actually all my ministry time has been done in the South. I started out in Arkansas, Louisiana mm. and then I was in Virginia for about mm-hmm. four years and now I've been in Florida for four years. So I like to go back and visit but uh definitely have so you're down uh, here to stay. <laughs> not missed the winters and uh yeah. Even though my daughter, she loves the winter and she's always begging us to go up to Michigan to see grandma, so who knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean we love the winter, we love the cold, snow. It's it's just the 10 months of winter can get a little bit uh get to you sometimes.
1: <laughs> definitely. Well, man, listen, I I mean, I think it's interesting that, that, uh, you know, one reason I wanted to have you on the podcast today was just because you are involved in, you know, connecting and making the Bible relevant to young people. And Mm -hmm. just generally, it seems like um, less and less people are reading their Bible, even though, like you said, it's more digitally available than ever before. Everybody's got it in their pocket. Everybody's got it printed and it's given out almost ubiquitously. In our culture, and yet uh, it just seems like we're not reading our Bibles, or people are just more and more illiterate about what mm-hmm. it teaches. So, why do you think that is? I mean, just from your, you know, observations, um, you know, being involved in in church work and teaching the Bible, why why do you think with the increase in availability, there seems to continue to be a decrease in understanding and knowledge?
0: Yeah, I think there there may be a, two parts to that that question and one a little bit less satisfying than the other i think one on a a natural level um the bible is a you know it's a spiritual book it's spiritual content it's it's not some spiritual content in some ways it's it's maybe the only book uh that has this this rich spiritual you know i mean how how else do you do you find access to god in that sense um, so, you know, on the naturally carnal nature that we have, according to what the Bible says, it's not something that we're naturally attracted to. So that's that's one part, and that's kind of maybe a superficial answer and maybe an unsatisfying answer. I guess the second part to that is a little bit more nuanced, is that here we are, you know, um, in the 21st century, and we have access to a lot of media. And I would say it's not even a lot of media. I mean, we have access to a virtually any topic in history at our fingertips. So it's not that we are over-bombarded with uh, topics and, and things to study. It's just, there's just too many. And in many ways, we're almost paralyzed to choose. Um, you know, if you wanted to watch everything on Netflix and read everything on Wikipedia and watch every YouTube on, or every video on YouTube, I mean, you would die. I mean, there just isn't enough time. And so the the contemporary conundrum is not whether we should be reading the Bible or not or um, whether, you know, we should stop watching, uh, you know, whatever or not. It's really asking ourselves, what are the most important values we have uh, or we want to espouse in our lives? What are these principles that we want to abide by? And then we have to basically create a filter for ourselves. And that's something that our generation is really struggling with. Um, something that perhaps our churches should be talking more about, but you know, according to the Bible, what what what's what's the final goal in that sense? Not that there is an, not there's a, a static endpoint, but you know, what kind of person do we want to be? And you know, the Bible says, "Hey, let's we should all be like Jesus," and that that should be baked into our filter. So before we even read anything on the internet, before we, we even turn on our phones, before we and that's just digital media, but even before we read books or, or or even before we choose our relationships and you know what what are the values, what are the principles, what are these abstracts that we want to to embody? That's a question that we really need to answer for ourselves. And really, we're so entertained that we don't ask that question. Mm. But once we ask ask that question, we can answer. It. Then we with that filter. Um yeah there's some videos that we should be watching there's some uh wikipedia articles we should be reading some websites whatever 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 some social media accounts and then the bible will come naturally to that you know mm. um,
1: yeah, yeah i really like what you were saying about um both those answers actually cuz i i can connect with the first one just being a pastor and um mm-hmm. an evangelist i'm not always um spiritually, um, desiring to read the Bible, even though, you know, I know I should, you know, if I'm not, there are off days, (laughs) there are days when, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a struggle and, and that's someone who's, you know, dedicated their life to, to studying and, and, and Mm -hmm. preparing and hopefully, um, uh, um, you know, working with, um, other people to, to, uh, you know, we all want to see Jesus come in our lifetime and, uh, and yet that struggle is there. Um, but yeah, getting to that second part, you know, then we're, we're talking about, okay, so there, you're talking about habits, we're talking about priorities. And so, you know, you obviously maybe we can start just, if you don't mind me asking, like, when did the Bible become real to you? You know, when, when did you like actually begin systematically reading the Bible, And uh, what what effect did it have on you when you made that commitment?
0: Yeah, I think I started reading the Bible. My parents gave me an English copy when in grade school sometime. But back then, I didn't really know what the Bible was and had nice pictures. Um, And I didn't really start to read it until I had a conversion experience at camp meeting in high school. I went to college, and maybe it was because I didn't want to study. I I said, hey, you know, I got to read the Bible before I study. And I don't know if that was because of Ben Carson's influence. I was reading his book, Gifted Hands, and he had done that. And Ben Carson was a different character back then than he is today. Right. <laughs> uh, different, different associations with him. Um, but he was this, you know, uber intelligent surgeon and, and he put God first kind of thing. So I was reading the Bible. I'm like, look, it's, I mean, frankly, it is. There are some parts that are dry and you don't know what's going on and confusing. But I remember this one time, and this, I think it was the beginning of it, where it was really late, and, uh, and I needed to study, and, but I didn't want to study. So I read the Bible, and I got online to find some you know, some, some guides. I forget where it was, and this was in the 90, late 90s, where the internet was, was pretty primitive, too. And um, it was just a list of messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in the Old Testament. You know, and, and now when I look on it, I'm like, man, that wasn't a very profound list, but you know, for someone who had no idea and someone who's, who's encountering this for the first time. And every single you – know, from the minor prophets, every single Old Testament book had some prophecy regarding the, regarding the Messiah, regarding Jesus, and it was fulfilled in the New Testament. And it wasn't vague. It wasn't these kind of general uh, uh, predictions, but they were like super specific things. And that was just mind-boggling to me. And I remember looking, looking each one up, each reference up, and then comparing, contrasting, studying it out. And then I looked up and looked at what time it was. It was like five o'clock in the morning. And I was like, man, I just went through this for like five hours or four hours. I forget what time. but." And uh, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And that just got my, cur- really it was curiosity that got started. Uh, and the more I studied the Bible, I, I found that. There is a person behind this. There is a personality. There is a an individual behind all this information. And once I discovered that person, then I started, you know, desiring to want to be like that person. Um, there was also dissonance because this it's weird, you know, when you meet Jesus, you want to be like him. But there's also there's aspects that that because you are so not like him that you just feel like, oh, I can never be not like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I discovered, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I have a sinful, uh, nature and, and how can I ever become like Jesus? So there's that tension there. And that tension was like, well, then since you're never going to be like him, just give up. But then the other tension is like, look, where else are you going to go? You know?
1: Yeah. And that, that's, uh, that's an interesting yeah. point. Cause I wanted to ask you about that. Like, cause a lot of people, you know they'll start reading it. they'll They'll go to a uh, you know maybe they'll go to church and they'll They'll be inspired and and, and maybe they'll start reading it the next day, and uh, and they might read it for a couple of days and then and then they stop, and uh, something you know gets in the way or like you said they they become discouraged because they, they see and they're reading something and, and they're not seeing that in their own life. So so how were you able to kind of push through that and stay committed? to you know the Bible and, and that discipline, you know, despite what you were just saying about how, you know, there there's that realization of, of your own um, inadequacy as as you encounter God.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um something that that's helped. And and you know I've had my my share of struggles, I'm sure you've had, of your ups and downs with mm-hmm. the Bible, with spirituality and and all that. So I think maybe the way to describe it is, you know, when I take an international trip and I, you know, when you have this screen in front of you, it, it can kind of get boring if it's especially if it's a long haul trip. Um, but having a map in front of you that one of those GPS maps and gives you kind of updates of how far you've gone and how far you have yet to go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it, it gives you kind of a nice, I don't know, um, gives you kind of you know, the coordinates on where you're at. Yeah. And it makes the present a little bit more bearable to sit in that airplane uh, chair. And so uh, I think when it comes to our spirituality, we need a nice metric for the past and then some 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 perspective for the future. And those two things have helped me. So w- what those two, practically speaking, become are, you know, I have a journal, you know, men use men, We have journals. Yeah, we have logs. We don't have diaries. <laughs> and uh, I, I love um, I get a good, high quality journal. You know, my my holy pen and, you know, you just write out and it doesn't have to be like today, you know, something long, but even in in bullet points and I'm into bullet journaling and we can talk about that maybe another episode, but um, just writing down and just what, what you're going through spiritually and your spiritual victories. It doesn't always have to be spiritual. It can be social or even you know, financial, academic. You just, just write down what you're going through at that time, things you need to do, things you want to be, different quotes, just random stuff, just about life, because we're such in a digital life. You know, Everything is so fast, and we have no time to reflect, and it doesn't take that much time, just five, 10 minutes a day, if that, if that. Mm-hmm. And reflecting on that past has been very powerful, because in that moment, maybe not so. But after time, you realize, like, man, I was so discouraged and so not spiritual then. But, and, but now, when you look back on it, man, I have come so far. That's so awesome. And that reflection point really gives you a lot of momentum to go forward in the future. And that's been a huge benefit for the journaling of the past component. For the future component, and I just say this, like, it, it may seem a little bit like, um, Uh, routine and whatnot, but I put a schedule together of what I need to read. Uh, I put a yearly schedule together and it's, yeah, it's a check, check box that I have to check off. And, you know, if I do this and I say my salvation is dependent on checking this dumb box, then it becomes horribly bad and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and injure injurious to me, uh, and to my spirituality. But just kind of a metric for the future. Like, hey, I've i read through Genesis, it was super fun. Oh man, I gotta get through Leviticus. How many more days do I have to get through it? And kind of gives you kind of a perspective on, on how far to go. But the cool thing is is that it also creates the sense of ritual um, and tradition, you know. I, I know some circles may may hate that. And you know, if it's if it's some legalistic thing, obviously it's not good. But when you get into it, just like how brushing your teeth is like, you know, brushing teeth can be also very routine and boring. Um, but the, the beauty of it is that God has created rituals so that they become automatic, so that we don't have to go through the, oh, and then try to get over the hump. You just, we just, I mean, now I don't even think about brushing my teeth. I just automatic go in there, brush my teeth, and I got, I got healthy teeth. You know, right. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah, I mean,
0: in the morning I come down and just, I open my Bible, I put my journal and then I look at my, my chart. I'm like, all right, that's my next one. Yeah. It's, it is difficult in the beginning to develop that habit, but after a while it just becomes like brushing your teeth or putting your seatbelt on. It's just, there's no mental energy exerted for it. And I love that because it's, this is an important thing that I want to have and it's automatic and there's so many benefits that result from it.
1: Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. Cause, um, I'm actually reading through Atomic Habits again for the second Mm. time, but um, I highly recommend that book because Mm -hmm. I've actually learned how now you know just studying the way habits work, and the book is just really insightful, um, and you can apply a lot of the principles, almost all of them, to spiritual spirituality. Totally, and, and just the the idea of process over goals, and I think what you're kind of saying is, you know, when you make the commitment to the process, you know, you're going to see the goals, they're, they're going to come, uh, the results are going to come, but it's it's going to come as you, as you look back, but not necessarily, um, you know, the goals themselves aren't necessarily the driving force. It's not like, you know, okay, yeah, I want to read the Bible through in a year, but if you just think about that, you could get discouraged if you miss a day. But if you're really focusing just on developing that daily ritual, that daily process, um, and mm-hmm. you focus on that, then you're going to get through the Bible, and you're going to get through it again, and you're going to get through it again. So it's it's uh, you're you're and, and so I think that's what I hear you saying, um, and I totally agree. I think it's it's about you know those 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 rituals and that, that daily process, especially with the Bible and any healthy habit, um, is going to um, just Bear fruit over time, and so you've you've seen that in your own life, um, and not that we've ever, you know, reached the end of the road, so to speak, and we can right. just say I've arrived, <laughs> right, right, um, and uh, and and yet, you know, I think a lot of times people are, you know, just kind of content to kind of live off other people's studying, you know, because we live like you were saying, we live in this mm-hmm. world where people specialize. You know, there's no way that we can get all the knowledge in the world in, our, in, our, in ourselves. We have to limit that. And to a certain degree, you know, people might be tempted to say, hey, you know, the pastor, um, the evangelist, um, the, you know, the guys on inverse, you know, you mm-hmm. know, wh- whoever, they're the ones that are they're They're the studiers. And I'm just going to sit and listen to them, you know, and I'm going mm-hmm. to, you know, learn and sit at their feet. And, and that's how I'm going to study the Bible. Um, what do you think about that? Not to say that what we do is not important, but how, why is that not a good substitute for personal Bible study?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great question in the sense that there's a lot of sermon junkies out there. Right. They go from sermon to sermon and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Uh, there, these sermons are great. The Lord uses what the Bible calls the, the foolishness of preaching, um, it's kind of a weird format. You can just hear someone talking to themselves in a sense. Um, but the cool thing about studying the Bible for yourself is that you're mining out the truths in real time with God. And I think that's something you know, we value in our, in our contemporary times, um, you know, live feeds, streaming. Uh, it's happening now. And too often when we read the Bible, we think we've we got to get back to history and what God did back then but really the Bible is a portal to access God in the present where you hear God speaking to your, to your heart for the, for, for, in, in these, in these intimate ways that you know that it's gotta be God speaking to you, the Holy spirit, uh, moving your heart one way or another, bringing this information out at this time to meet this need. It's just really cool. What I liken it to is like watching cooking shows. Like I love watching cooking shows. Um, and you know, it's what's weird is when I get hungry, I like watching cooking shows even more. And there's nothing wrong with watching cooking shows. And they're, they're informative and, you know, you learn what to do. You learn how to chop onions, et etc., et cetera. But at a certain point, you want to cook for yourself. Right. <laughs> and all the sermons that I've heard that, that, that were good, they've helped me to study the Bible for myself, maybe even to preach also, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being a cooking show junkie is good until you're really hungry. So listening to sermons are great, but you can end up being spiritually hungry at the end of the day.
1: Wow, well, I can explain that because I mean, some of my listening might think, "Hey, you know, I, 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 feel you know, you know, fed sometimes when I'm when I'm listening to to someone sure. speak." Uh, what help help someone maybe who you know doesn't hasn't thought about that before? Oh.
0: Sure, a little bit. sure, sure. So, um, sermons were, are designed to be heard by, you know, a corporate body, a multitude. And so, if the preacher is talking about, you know, maybe you're listening to Adventology or you're listening to, to Inverse uh, at hopetv.org slash Inverse, um, and, and you're listening to them, man, they're, they're talking about this Bible principle and that applies to me. And that's cool. I mean, we should be applying that for sure. But that Bible principle could be applied to anyone. In any situation that's what it's been designed to do uh and there's nothing wrong with that but the the more intimate experience and this is what our, i believe our generation is is wanting is thirsting for is lacking but it doesn't even know that it has this need is this intimacy with god that then when they sit in the quietness uh in the solitude between god and them the bible is open and then a Bible verse is written. It's not just about that one verse, but maybe even the thought in a chapter or a book. And that that just comes to life. And it doesn't apply to a multitude of people. It applies to you. Wow. Specifically you, customized for you, and not you of yesterday or you of tomorrow, but you for that day. And And you just know that, There's just no other entity that can know this information except for God. That's, I mean, that, it, it, you kind of, I don't know if I can say this on on your show, but you almost kind of get a spiritual high from that Mm -hmm. where you just, you just know like, wow, like this is real. Uh, Does it happen every single time? No, it doesn't. Uh, Some parts of the Bible need more than one or two or three times to get to know it, or you need to know the flow of a passage but once you get to know that flow, you realize, like, man, that sometimes you're like in the desert, and then, but then you know, at the end of the desert, you know, what God was leading me this entire time, and so that that is what we should be striving for, in addition to the sermons and and all the other accoutrements of church and spirituality. But Bible study is really the the contact point between the individual and the divine.
1: I I totally agree, and and I've experienced that, and I think that has been. That in and of itself, I think when you when I had that personal experience of God speaking directly to me, not just um in you know the, the the context of my circumstance, but but when I really started to see him speak to me through the word of God and I was able to like you were talking about journaling, um that to me was the biggest, I think, breakthrough spiritually for me was when I got in the habit of journaling. Um, And Mm -hmm. just reflecting, you know, what I was reading, Mm -hmm. writing it down physically, writing down what I thought the verse meant. You know, I use this acronym called SOAP, but I'm sure there's lots of different ones you could use. But, you know, SOAP, Mm -hmm. uh, Scripture, Observation, Application, and then Prayer. And it was a simple process uh, where it would fit on about a one-page journal entry. And, uh, and I would just read the Bible and then find one verse specifically that w- I felt like was speaking to me, maybe two. But essentially, I'd be reading several chapters and then, okay, which, which one verse is speaking to me right now? And then I would just spend a little bit more time on that verse in the journal. And, uh, and so many times I would come away from those little moments um, just like you were just saying, kind of a spiritually high. And sometimes even I would start the process, not feeling it at all, but because I had just committed to the process, I'm going to do this. Then in the end I was, I was blessed because I, I did it even though I didn't feel like doing it.
0: I think what you mentioned is a very profound point that, that many people, if they can overcome it, Uh, it becomes powerful. So like when you're encountering the Bible, you have a feeling that initially comes up and that feeling most times may not be a good one. Like, I don't want to do this. I just don't feel spiritual today or whatever, you know, you and I go through on a a Mm -hmm. day to weekly basis. And if you, and, and so some people would say, you know, I don't feel like doing this, but if I keep on doing it, then I'm totally being fake. You know, I'm not being honest to myself. And then they, they rob themselves of the blessing. Right. But I would say that that feeling is not is not is not real that feeling maybe because you had just pizza the previous night the feeling maybe because you didn't sleep eight hours the feeling maybe because there was a solar flare and that caused a, a disproportionate amount of hydrogen in your room and you just couldn't sleep and causes bad I, mean, I don't know it, it's just so so um,
1: so, so non material
0: right. yeah so many variables but it's the principle of of what you what the intention of Bible study. You know, I want to study the Bible to know more and to become like Jesus. And then whether you feel that or not, if you go by principle or another word for it is faith uh, and you persevere through it, then the, the benefit is huge. And the benefit is always outweighs the, the, the negative feeling that you get. I mean, that's, that's been in my experience for sure.
1: I totally agree with you. and uh, And we rob ourselves when we base our mm-hmm. decisions on the feeling of the moment. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you, so, and we are a culture that is driven by feeling. I mean, uh, we, you know, they, mm-hmm. several years ago, Stephen Corbett, uh, coined that phrase truthiness, you know, basically mm-hmm. truth, is, truthiness is what we want to be true, even if it's not. And, uh, and I think a lot of us live our lives that by truthiness, not necessarily truth. Um, and because feelings have have become the driving factor of our of our culture, so um what can the church do? what has the church done? I mean I know um, you know you you're connected to the Sabbath school now. Can you tell um our listeners a little bit about you know the Sabbath school It essentially was the first kind of um, i would say systemi- systematic um organized approach to bible study that the church um Developed? Can can you share a little bit about that and and how yeah, for it sure. can be used for sure. for, for you know kind of to enhance what we're what we're talking about?
0: For sure. So when we talk about church, I mean the church that can be defined in so many ways, but we're basically saying this is just the community of God's people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you see the in the Bible, at least the community of God's people are always united. Uh, they're on the same page, and that's, that's what we mean by church. Another way of looking at church is also just as an institution, as an organization. And sometimes this, this, this nomenclature kind of gets mixed up. But, so I work for the church. That means uh, you know, I'm part of the Seventh-day Adventist church. That means we believe there's a worldwide community of Adventists uh, who have a certain set of beliefs that we believe uh, together. And, uh, Sabbath school, it used to be, you know, we, we jacked it from the Sunday keepers, obviously from mm-hmm. the, the Sunday school, uh, Sunday school was started, I think what, 1600, 1700s, so I forget, uh, by some, some guy who wanted to teach kids who were just running around on Sundays doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that's more through the years. And then the Adventists have picked it up and changed it from Sunday to Sabbath school. Um, the Sabbath School in the Adventist Tradition is done on Saturday morning, where we it's an opportunity to kind of talk about the Bible in an open format, in a discussion format. It's to learn. So the sermons are awesome, and worship services are awesome, but there's no dialogue. There's no opportunity to ask questions. There's no um, group discussion. And so the Sabbath school provides that format. And the cool thing about in the Adventist tradition is that the Sabbath school topic is the same topic around the whole world. So I work in an office that, that develops these resources. And we are, for the adult Bible study guide, I mean, we're working on the 2024 and 2025 topics that far out. Uh, because, we you know, these things get written. They are... Uh, there's an editorial committee. Then they got to get translated. Then they got to get published. And then it got distributed in about—I don't forget how many languages—and don't quote me on this, but you know 70, 80 languages around the world. Mm, and wow. no other denomination does that, or if they did, they've stopped doing it because it was just an unwieldy project to to uh, to tackle. But we still continue to do that. I think we may be one of the few, if not the last, denomination still doing that. And there's a certain beauty to that. That when we go to Namibia or Cambodia or Siberia, uh, everyone is studying the same thing, obviously in a different language. Right. Um, but it, there's a the the what we go through every week. There's a certain unity around the world. That may sound kind of cheesy for some people, but you just if you think about the dynamics of it, it's a pretty pretty colossal task to accomplish that. But in addition, it's fulfilling Bible prophecy because you know, we believe that we're part of the three, not part, we are the three angels' messages that goes that goes around the whole world in Revelation 14. So there is like a world component to God's last day people. God's last day people is not some one culture or one nation or a small little group here. It's a worldwide movement, and Sabbath School unites us all in that task.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think that's something I've noticed, you know, as even in the Adventist tradition, um, there are those who have been drawn to kind of this congregational mindset Mm. and, uh, and kind of this independent spirit from, from the world church. And, uh, and you see that not just in maybe a little bit, you know, obviously you just mentioned, this is not just an Adventist issue. This is uh, denominational mm-hmm. de- denominations around the world have 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 struggled to to continue or, or have stopped doing this be- because of the the tendency toward tribalism, nationalism, congregationalism. This this all these kind of uh, movements toward um, self and what is important to me at the the exclusion of 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 those outside of my tribe. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to concern myself with them anymore, and that seems to, to, um, you know, really infected not just um, the people's, you know, commitment to Sabbath school, but, you know, the in the tradition. You didn't mention this, but there's always been this tradition of mission, right? That has mm-hmm. connected, yep. um, not just the topic that we're studying in Sabbath school, but there is this re- reminder every week, at least. You know, if, um, you know, people are, are reading their lesson and and following the Sabbath school according to the way it was designed, is there's, there should be a kind of a reminder every week of, of the worldwide mission. But, mm-hmm. but with that um, kind of, you know, change in culture, have you noticed that, 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 uh, ch- you know, has, have you noticed that um, from the upper levels, have, have you noticed that, a decrease in that aspect of, of mission connecting to Sabbath school and, and how can we reverse that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. There, there is, uh, I've noticed, and this is just one person's perspective, um, a peon perspective, uh, that, that there is a lot of, how do I call it? Um, myopic myopia, uh, when it comes to world, World outreach. So, if I can back up a little bit, I mean, there are these there's these values that Sabbath School has, and so the first one we've talked about is Bible study. And really, if, if you can think of it in terms of, it can visualize for your for your listening audiences, just concentric circles. So, right in the middle is Bible study, and that's between you and God, you and your you and whatever you're going through, and whatever God wants you to to experience. And then one circle out from that is fellowship. Mm. I mean, we go to church to really have a good time. And that fellowship is not found in divine service. That fellowship is not found in even in potluck. It's really found in interacting and, and having spiritual connections with people. That should be in Sabbath school. Now, that being said, I know there's a lot of Sabbath schools that don't have that, but that, that is a value that Sabbath school should have. And then the last concentric circle is mission. So it's just going out from you to your church now to your whole the whole world, uh, whether that means local outreach or that means world mission. And every Adventist, and I think we need to be very careful to emphasize this, that especially for those who may be a new Adventist, is that our membership is part of the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, when it comes to other ecclesiologies, other, other church systems like you know, Baptist or Presbyterian, they may be a member of you know, the New York City Presbyterian Church, uh, but when an Adventist is baptized, they're not a member of the the New York City Seventh Adventist Church. They're a member of the worldwide Seventh Adventist Church, of which they are active in that local local branch, if you will. And so, all of our finances goes to supports uh, goes to support uh, world mission. Um, we have all of our governance, all of our administration is done on a global level. And so some of the myopia comes, you're like, look, I'm living here in, in Maryland, and I don't really care what happens in Somalia. You know, I want, I want my funds to go to Maryland. And that is a mentality that we're finding more and more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they want to see the direct effect of the power of money. Um, what we're told in scripture is that, you know, money is good and the Lord uses money, but the, that the effective power comes from God. And the money, the, the the offerings and the tithes and the donations that go in is just the statement of our faithfulness to to God, not the be not the means by which the stuff happens. Um, just, I think especially with the upcoming uh, young adults, I mean, they want to see when I put five dollars into the offering plate, I want to see where it goes. I right. want to see exactly how that five dollars is used. But the Adventist. Um, the, the finance system has been d- designed so that your five dollars goes to support the entire world church in a way that it's it's hard to it's it's, it's hard to explain where it goes. Mm-hmm. There's a portion of that goes to a higher level, that goes here, that goes here, and that goes to. But everyone, it's like this kind of big mess. Uh, and p- some people would say, well, that mess is a mess, <laughs> so you need to clean it up. But that just shows you that's a testament that we believe in the world field as a world church, the fact that to change the world just by a simple donation. I think it's a pretty, pretty miraculous of a design. Um, I always give this example that like when we subscribe to an organization or an idea or a movement, we don't we don't question whether, you know, what, what what's what's going to happen to that donation. For example, like people who love Apple when they pay, you know, $2,000 for uh, uh, <laughs> a Mac, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not questioning where does this, what does exactly, where does it go? Which factory is it supporting? I mean, they're just fans to get, to, to support Apple, to get a high quality product, although it's not that high quality anymore. <laughs> of of, of, of all, all the how Apple works around the world, I mean, they're just, they're just fans. They subscribe to being an Apple person. And that heart from my perspective is slowly being lost. Right. So, think people just want to know, like, I, I don't know what's happening. This is really my money and you're making me pay it. So where's it going? I want accountability and we should, we, I'm, I'm not anti accountability also, but there, there needs to be balance there.
1: Yeah. And like, how do you, how do you change that? Because, um, yeah, it just seems kind of, you know, pervasive. This, this, uh, myoptic um, way of thinking. Um, and and as in the church, I, it's just hard to fathom it because, you know, Jesus clearly said, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and to me, like you said, the system, um, while imperfect, uh, sure. is... Still, a system that allows each local church to support um, the work around the world in a way that there's there is accountability. I mean, it could be could it be more? Yeah, uh, should could we, you know, communicate it better? Um, I'm sure, but but so how do how do we revive that? You know, what what are some things that that you think? Or maybe you've seen happen in people's lives or maybe just your own life um, that has revived that spirit of, of mission um, and and connecting it to, you know, Bible study and, and fellowship like you were just talking about?
0: Yeah, great question. I, I believe the church is doing a lot to communicate what's happening out in the field and what's happening to people's donations. And there's just a lot of resources going out. Um, can it do better always? And it can always do better just, just as any organization can. Uh, but you know, working in this office working in this building, there's so many resources going out into the field. So many, the question is whether there are individuals who are looking for it and can, who have interest in finding it. And it's, it's one thing to, to complain about it. And it's another thing to complain about it and then do nothing afterwards. Um, So I guess when we see people, you know, uh, they say that the younger, the millennial generation, especially, and later uh, Generation Z, and who knows, maybe the alphas, uh, they travel more. They just see themselves as not Americans or not Europeans, but they see themselves as citizens of the globe. And when we see these these type of, of Adventists who travel around, they're just blown away how different the church is all around the world than it is in the first world, especially North America. Um, In the latest statistics, I mean, North America and Europe and Australia combined comprises only 7% of the world population of, of Adventists. And that's the number on the books. Uh, and so they just, you know, when we travel and we just see, yeah, there's there's a lot of YouTube videos, uh, Adventist Mission produces a lot of uh, Mission Spotlight, different PDFs, different reports, financial reports, and all the news that's happening from the church. But when they actually kind of see it on the ground, there is just so many amazing things happening, all made possible through the, the Adventist system that we have. And you know, there's a certain level of pride that that that, that wells up. Not pride like, oh I'll see what man has done, but like, man, this is just amazing that I can be a small part of.
1: Yeah, and am just speaking for myself, um, I mean, I love travel and I think missions um combined with Bible study, I think were the two main um, components that led me to to commit my life to to ministry as a as a vocation. And uh you know, it was it was serving as a student missionary, and while doing that, you know, systematically reading the Bible, um, that that I, I felt a strong call to to serve God, um, you know, as as a professional, and um, and I think that has continued. You know, every time I go overseas and and see it firsthand, we were just in Kenya. I took uh, our church here in Daytona Beach, and we did a trip with the hospital. Advent health. And, uh, we did a, a combined medical trip and we built, um, a building on a school campus in Kenya and, uh, and just, you know, being there and taking a group that, you know, was a very mixed group. Um, but, but just going in and seeing that need, um, you know, compelled when we came back, it compelled the group to raise $15,000 to build a well, you know, that would have never happened um, through, through Maranatha, you know, and and that would have never happened um, without, um, you know, seeing that firsthand. And so I think I, I, what I hear you saying is we need more of that. We need more boots on the ground exposure uh, for our people to, to reignite their, their love and passion for mission. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mission involvement is, is is probably one of the best in- indicators of of uh, spiritual life and spiritual continuing to spirituality throughout your life.
1: Mm. And uh, and so, what would you say? Um, you know, you know, when it comes to Sabbath School, you know, maybe somebody is listening and they've started attending church. Um, they come at eleven. They haven't really gotten involved in in a Sabbath school or they um, maybe they used to be involved in a Sabbath school and and they've um, said, you know, I'm not I just feel like sleeping in. (laughs) So so what what would you say to somebody, you know, to encourage them to get back into this program that the World Church provides for for its members?
0: Yeah, so the World Church does does provide the resources for it. But on a local level, every Sabbath school is different, obviously. Um, and I've been to some wonderful Sabbath schools that I wish the whole world could adopt their style. And then I've been also to some bad ones. So it's, it's, it's hard to say to someone, hey, uh, go visit your local Sabbath school. And if it's horrible, just continue going out to it. They're, they're, I got to admit, there are some really bad ones. Um, but I guess the plea would be that if it is bad, that it's your responsibility to make it good. <laughs> I maybe mean, that's maybe that's too high of a charge, but you know, I I I believe the Lord has given um not just young adults but but primarily young adults the gift of of discernment, the gift of in a certain way complaining, uh the gift of visual and they see. They they can they can perhaps even see hypocrisy in the church. And it's it's all okay. I think it's okay to even be that negative, but you stay in that negative and you can easily become cynical and and, and, and spiritually wrought. Like with that negative, you have to find ways to, to convert it into a positive positive fruit. And uh, if you go to if you haven't gone to a Sabbath school, give it a chance. And if it's awesome, then contribute. Be a part of it. Contribute and be a part and teach and and you know, bring something to potluck and and, and contribute. But if it's bad, uh, I would encourage, and, and I've done this personally myself, is find ways to make it better. Get into leadership. Um, if you're sincere about following Jesus and Jesus was all about making disciples, make your own disciples uh, while you're following Jesus. And whether if you're sleeping in, then have a Sabbath school on Sabbath afternoon or Friday night or on Tuesday night. Uh, where a group of people can get into the Bible together through prayer and have a burden for missions. Um, just going to divine service, uh, I surmise, would be not a healthy spiritual alternative. And then we also have statistics that the Adventist Church has had, and overwhelmingly people have said that the, the greatest benefit, the greatest the ministry that they've received the greatest benefit, is, is hands down, has always been Sabbath school. Mm, uh, whether really? that means from children's Sabbath school, yeah, or adult Sabbath school, the one person that they remember uh, contributing to their spiritual life more than the pastor, more than mom, more than the elder, uh, more than elementary school Bible teacher has been a Sabbath school teacher. Wow. And so this is something that, you know, you can, be, you can be that kind of influence in someone else's life, or you can have that kind of benefit in your life through the medium of Sabbath school.
1: Yeah, and I think it kind of comes back to what you were saying before when it comes to just habit, right? I mean, sometimes you you have to just commit to doing something before you see the result, and uh, mm-hmm. and so um, and it, and it, every time it's not always going to be the same experience, but over time you're going to see um, the the result, and I think um, you know that that's what I've seen myself. Um, with Sabbath Mm -hmm. school and whether I'm teaching it or, you know, just being involved in it, it's, um, it's, it's a very, um, different kind of experience than the divine service, but equally, I mean, even what you were saying, it could potentially be even more beneficial, um, to our spiritual, um, sustaining power, um, at least, you know, from a a church perspective that, that we could implement Mm -hmm. into our lives, And, um, yeah, so I I appreciate that. And then kind of just to, to kind of wrap up here, um, you know, when you, you know, just kind of overlooking our conversation, um, you know, what, what are, what, um, when you look at the world church today, you know, what concerns you most with these things that we've talked about, but what, what also gives you the most hope, like, you know, when it comes to you know, the Bible and, and mission, uh, what, what, what concerns you, but what also gives you hope? It may
0: be that Bible illiteracy is what concerns me the most, Mm -hmm. um, specifically among professed Christians who, who, who maybe they do the church thing and they even do the evangelism and outreach and discipleship thing, but they just so not know the Bible. And when there are different ideas or different movements or different conflicts or values that, that emerge, they just immediately go towards the, the side that the world professes without even looking at what the Bible, what kind of filter the Bible would have. Um, that would be what concerns me the most in our church today. Um, if this was not in the church, I had zero concern. But to see it in the church, that would be pretty concerning for me. Maybe for your second question, what gives me most hope is when I see uh, maybe old people too, yeah. But when I see young people and they take a hold of these ideals from Scripture and they just run with it, it just gets me very excited. Um, Young professionals who quit their jobs and uh working for you know fortune 500 companies and then they start you know developing their own companies that that inherently are that are inherently have adventist values bible values baked into them that their ultimate goal is evangelism and of some sort wow Uh, those who you know they quit their you know they're on olympic level of, of of x y or z but they they give it up and then they go out and they're they're missionaries and in Asia or Canada or, or Argentina somewhere. It's just cool to see that kind of craziness and it's not insanity. It's just a very rationalized and spiritual tempered decision that they're making, but with radical results.
1: Wow. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is, you know, the, the, the proof in the pudding, so to speak, you know, you're, Mm. you, when you see the results of what, the Bible teaches in in people's willingness to give their life to mission, and that to me they just like that's like a hand in a glove. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, when we become a Christian, we become a missionary. There, there is no way to say, "Hey, I'm accepting this beautiful message of a Savior who um, gave up all so that I could have eternal life, and all He's asking from me is to give Him my life in return." It, it's it's the Great exchange! It's the best uh, exchange possible. He takes all of our sin, all of our wretchedness, and all of our um, sickness and ultimate death, and exchanges that with His perfect life and His character and 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 a and a purpose and a and a mission to that is greater than ourselves. It's it's a mission to save souls for eternity. People are going to be lost or saved. Um, based on on how we respond to this. And uh, and when you take hold of that, how could you stay silent? How could you just kind of be business as usual? And so, you know, I do think every time you read the Bible, a revival of the Word of God results in a revival of mission and outreach. And, uh, you know, I, I know that that's uh, near and dear to your heart. And just, um, you know, as we kind of close up today, kind of just share um, a little bit about um about your heart for for seeing Jesus come in your lifetime you know the, this podcast our our tagline is be ready for Jesus So how does all this in the end help us to be ready for Jesus?
0: Yeah I, I that's that's I, I guess I should start off by saying thanks for the privilege of being on on your on your show this has been actually, Pretty good for me, too, talk, talking about these things out loud. Sometimes you know these things, but talking out loud kind of solidifies and congeals them in your mind. Um, in prepar- pre- your question about preparing for Jesus' second coming, there's a lot of answers to that. And maybe that's another show, too. But what i found for me is, you know, whatever I can do to prepare for Jesus coming into me, into my heart today, is the best thing I can do for Jesus coming in the future. Um, we get all these different ideas about, oh, he's coming, so I got to stock up on, you know, my, my vanilla soy pudding for the next three years because Jesus may be coming. Yeah, and it's just kind of ridiculous answers. Uh, but just getting down and getting to the basics of, of uh, the Bible, prayer, and outreach, uh, these three things develop the inner spiritual man. For in my personal walk, you know, this this whole being me in ministry and being an editor for a bible study it, it's helped with my fundamental questions that i have had and maybe that's weird for me uh maybe i just maybe i'm different but i've always asked myself these worldview questions of like you know what what's the meaning for, of all this and you know what what's going to happen in the future what was i designed to do what's what's my purpose and in the meantime, what how am, I, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to have relationships? How am I supposed to use my time? I mean, these are questions that I, that I grapple with and have grappled with. And it's, it's biblical Christianity that has provided such not only rational answers, but very warm and fulfilling answers to them. That's, uh, that's been fulfilling for me and that I just want, you know, I want everyone else uh, to experience as well. And I believe that is the best preparation for Jesus' second coming.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Adventology. Our goal in this podcast is for you to be ready for Jesus. And the best way to be ready for Jesus is to spend time getting to know Him. Knowing Jesus is everything. That is why we spent the time today talking about Sabbath school and the importance of Bible study with Justin Kim. But don't just take our word for it. Go out and experience it for yourself. And for a hands-on experience, I encourage you to check out our website, adventology.com, where you can find the show notes from today's episode along with all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to check out hopetv.org backslash inverse to check out Justin's TV show on Hope Channel. Also, if you like this episode, share it with a friend, or better yet, please leave a rating and a review from wherever you downloaded this podcast from. And if you like what we've been doing, please remember Adventology and your giving this holiday season. All right, well, I enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to seeing you back here again on our next episode of Adventology. Until then, Maranatha.